Uh, Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 3 as we uh, continue in our series in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. We'll look this morning at the first 11 verses of Philippians 3. Uh, It is our practice here at Grace Covenant, as you've uh, already experienced uh, once, uh, to stand when we read God's Word together. Uh, So if you're able to do that, let me ask that you uh, stand with us now. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray together. We pray, O Holy Spirit, that You would teach us, instruct us, but that You would do more than that. That You would change us. Conform us into the image of Christ. That, that we too, even like Paul, might long for Christ, might long to know Him and to gain the resurrection from the dead. For it's in Christ's name that we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Some of you will remember. Some of you won't remember, but surely you've seen it. Others of you have no idea what I'm about to talk about. You're entirely too young. Uh, but back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a show called Lost in Space. It was, I guess they were a family. I never really picked up on that, but they were like lost in space. And there was a boy, Will, and, and a robot. That's really all that matters. And anytime there was danger, see, the robot was always assigned Will Robinson duty. Whenever they're out roaming, whenever they're exploring, whenever they're doing anything, he, his job was to, to hang out with Will and protect him and make sure he wasn't getting into trouble and make sure trouble wasn't coming his way. And you remember what the robot did. Anytime there was danger, the arms started flailing and out came danger, Will Robinson, danger, and then some explanation of 
just what the danger was. There's an experiment going awry. There's some bad guys, Martians coming your way, whatever the case may be. We are in danger, actually. And not from Hurricane Irma, although that thing keeps shifting our way with every new sort of examination of the track she's going to take. Uh, We're in danger, quite honestly, of getting the gospel wrong. We're in danger of having an almost gospel. We're in danger of, of taking the gospel and tweaking it just enough that, quite honestly, it's, it's not a gospel anymore. It's easy for us to recognize that in other people. It's easy for us to see that even in other denominations, in other religions. And then we start thinking but I don't do that. At least we, at least I, Paul's writing here saying, there's danger out there. You can picture his arms flailing. Danger, Philippian church. Danger. There are false teachers. There are people out there, and you're in danger of getting the gospel wrong. Paul says here to us, danger, Grace Covenant church. Danger, Christians. He starts with this finally that may remind you of some preachers you know who will use the word finally only to mean they've got you know 15 or 20 more minutes left in their sermon. He says finally, and you kind of flip around in Philippians going, that's a lot of Philippians left for a finally. In fact, it's so, so out of place it seems, and the shift from verse 1 to verse 2 has led to any number of scholars uh, proposing the idea that quite honestly, beginning in verse 2 and running even into chapter 4 a little bit, that that's actually a later, uh, a later letter. It's something completely different. It was, it was added by an editor later. That, that Paul didn't actually write it that way, but they came back and, and it got inserted there. I can't see why that makes more sense than than Paul writing it. I can't figure why an editor who's carefully read Philippians would say, Here the, here's a good place to put this. If you're going to edit it on after the fact, it seems like you could edit it at a more reasonable location. But there are those who have tried to make the argument that beginning in verse 2, that's not Paul. It was not part of this original letter. The problem is, I can think of several reasons why it would make perfect sense for Paul to say that right there in verse 2. For him to to start this warning right on the heels of what what he writes in verse 1. Okay, from the the maybe ridiculous, perhaps that was where there was a changing of the guard and there was a conversation and so when he sat back down to write again, out came something different. Okay, that's probably ridiculous. But it makes perfect sense that he would say, rejoice in the Lord. And then right on the heels of that and say, but let me warn you about things that will rob you of your joy or about things you might rejoice in in place of the Lord. We do this. I do this. I'll start a sentence. I'll say a sentence. And then my brain makes two or three connections to something else so that the next sentence that comes out of my mouth has no connection whatsoever to the previous one at least to the person listening. It makes perfect sense to me because my brain has sort of run a couple of 
steps along the way. And how much explanation I give you about my thought process depends on how urgent the thing I'm saying is. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. To write you, uh, to write the same things to you is no trouble for me and it's safe for you. And notice the urgency of what comes out of his mouth next. Danger. Watch out. Look out. Three times. Look out for for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. You can sense that urgency as Paul writes. There's this, this command to rejoice in the Lord, but be careful because there are things that might rob you of that joy. There are some things you might prefer to rejoice in rather than the Lord. You might prefer to rejoice in, well... You may prefer to add to the gospel. And Paul says, truth is, this addition is really not addition at all. It's really subtraction. That when you add to the gospel, you're actually taking the gospel away. When you add to the gospel, you're actually robbing the gospel of its power. Watch out for the dogs. He's not talking about your pet poodle. He's not talking about four-legged furry pets. Dogs weren't pets. They, they didn't have dogs for pets. Dogs, um, dogs are gross. I mean, when, when eating sort of the dead possum carcass is a step up from what he ate yesterday, the, the places they stick their nose, the dogs are gross. They're really, quite honestly, gross animals. I don't know why we kind of get in their face and go, ooh, you're so cute. They, they weren't pets. Jews didn't have dogs as pets. They were unclean animals. They, they wouldn't have dogs as pets. They, they're, well, they're, they're gross. They're, they're too gross to have as pets if you were raised Jewish. They roamed the streets. They ate who knows what. They did who knows what. It was, it's, well, it's repulsive. It's, they're unclean animals. But that's, that, he's not talking about actual dogs. The, the reason he says watch out for the dogs is because that's actually a word. Because they were so gross, that was a word the Jews used to describe Gentiles. The Jews actually called Gentile. Well, they're as unclean as these dogs that have been eating the dead possum carcass and who knows what else over the last several days. The Gentiles, those non-Jews, they are unclean like those dogs. It's, um, it's a derogatory term. In many ways, it's a racial slur. It's something to, to call the Gentiles in a way that's intended to insult them. But Paul's not talking about Gentiles. He's actually talking about Jews here. There are Jewish people out there in Paul's day who wanted to add to the gospel. They wanted to add to Jesus. They wanted to say, look, 
For you Gentiles to come to faith in Christ, in order to become a Christian, you first have to become Jewish. You basically, your avenue to Jesus was through becoming Jewish first. They were, they were teaching, they were called the Judaizers, they were teaching that Gentiles had to be held to Jewish laws and customs, that they had to be circumcised, they had to keep festivals and feast days. They had to, to meet certain Jewish requirements, Jewish standards. Paul's warning the church in Philippi, watch out for the dogs, not the four-legged furry creatures, and not the Gentiles, because most of this church was Gentile. But he's actually taking a, a Jewish derogatory term and turning it back on the Jews. Those who would make you be circumcised in order to be a Christian are adding to the Gospel. Paul says those people are dogs. Those people are unclean. Those people are getting the Gospel wrong. They're trying to add to the Gospel. They're trying to add their pedigree to the Gospel, if you will. But adding your pedigree to Jesus actually subtracts from the Gospel itself. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, a church he planted a dozen years before this or so. Maybe the Judaizers were there already. Maybe they weren't yet. Maybe he had gotten wind that they were there. Maybe he's just warning them because he knows they're out there. That is, by the way, the, the point of Galatians. That's the point of the conversation, the, the um, Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. They were dealing with this in the early Christian church. These who would come and say, but, but Paul, they have to be circumcised. In order to, to be Christian, in order to come to faith in Christ, they have to first meet Jewish law. They would add Jewish law to the Gospel. Their point, of course, was that Jesus isn't enough. That circumcision makes Jesus better. That keeping the law improves on what Christ has done for these Gentiles. That's, in essence, the argument they're making. They would add their pedigree to Jesus, but notice they would also try to add their performance to the Gospel as well. Because Paul warns, not just look out for the dogs, but look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Those who take such pride in their law-keeping. Those who take such pride in their, not just their ancestry, their heritage as Jews, but in their obedience to keeping the law. Those who would take that pride, Paul says, they're actually evildoers. But hold on, they're, they're, they're abiding by the law. Yeah, that's, and that's a good thing. Abiding by God's commands, I'm not saying you can throw them away. The point is, they would rather trust in the law than Jesus. Their confidence, their hope, 
their expectation that God would accept them is grounded actually in their law-keeping. Jesus plus obedience equals salvation. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Those who, like the pagan worshipers, would cut themselves that trusting in circumcision is no different than, than pagan God worshipers who would, would cut and mutilate their bodies as a, a sign of, of commitment and wholehearted dedication to this pagan deity. Paul's saying these Judaizers, these who would come and say, well, Jesus isn't quite enough. You also need circumcision. They're trying to add to the Gospel. He calls them dogs and evildoers and their circumcision amounts to to merely mutilation of the flesh. These Judaizers want to add their pedigree and their performance to the Gospel. Paul in verse 3 though says, but we are the circumcision." Who's he talking about? Paul was circumcised. Yes, he was from Tarsus and and Greek by birth, but born to Jewish families, raised a devoutly Jew. He was circumcised on the eighth day. In fact, he's going to tell us that in just a second. Timothy, who's with him, had also been circumcised, born of a Greek father, but Jewish mother and grandmother. Paul had him circumcised in order to better minister to Jews whenever They entered new cities. But Paul's including the Philippians in his we. We are the circumcision. Timothy and I and Epaphroditus and y'all, the church in Philippi, as this letter is read, they would read verse 3 and think, wait, wait, wait. We are the circumcision. It's a predominantly Greek Gentile church. Remember back in Acts 16 when Paul planted this church He didn't, as was his habit, he didn't go to the synagogue first. There wasn't one. It only took ten Jewish men to have a synagogue at all. Which means they couldn't find ten devout, committed Jewish men in Philippi in order to start a synagogue, in order to have a synagogue at all. Paul's writing to Gentiles. He's writing to to predominantly Greek people. The first converts we saw in Acts 16, none of them were ethnically Jewish. And yet he includes them as we are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit. We who trust in Christ. We are the true circumcision. We who glory in Christ. We who put no confidence in the flesh whatsoever. Do you hear what Paul's saying? There are those who would take Jesus and want to add to Him their law-keeping, their Jewishness, their ancestry, their circumcision, their obedience to the law. And Paul says, they're dogs. They merely mutilate the flesh. They do evil. They're not the true circumcision. 
adding to the gospel is really subtracting from it. Adding anything to Jesus at all, Jesus plus anything, and you've, you've robbed the gospel of its very essence. Paul warns against adding to the gospel of Christ, adding to Jesus, seeking hope and confidence, assurance of acceptance by God to, to Christ, that, that hope in anything other than, than Jesus. It distorts the gospel. It, it blurs the gospel. It mars the gospel. It subtracts from the gospel. And in fact, Paul tells us he knows this better than anyone. If anyone has reason for confidence in the flesh, circumcised on the eighth day, just as we read in Genesis 17, as commanded by God for his people for throughout their generations, check. Of the tribe of Benjamin, you know, one of two tribes that didn't rebel against David's line. The very tribe that gave Israel their first king, a Pharisee, that, that elite, strictly law-abiding, law-keeping Jewish group. In fact, so zealous was he that he actually carried papers with him allowing him to arrest Christians. Not just in Jerusalem. He could go beyond Jerusalem. He, could, he was on his way to arrest Christians when he was converted. Paul says, you want to match pedigrees? I win every time. You want to match performance? I'll beat you hands down. Not even close. Not even a competition. Paul says if, if there was anything to add to the gospel, if there was anything to add to Jesus, he of all people would be assured of his salvation. His pedigree counts for nothing. His performance counts for nothing. Adding anything to the gospel is really subtracting from the gospel. Adding anything at all to Jesus is actually taking away from the gospel. It's actually changing the gospel. We're not saved by Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus law keeping. Jesus plus we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. In essence, what Paul is saying is, those bumper stickers of the Reformation, if, if you had been around in, in, in Martin Luther's Germany and John Calvin's Geneva, and you put bumper stickers on your trailer, they would have said, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Paul says, the word alone matters. That word alone matters. There's addition that's really subtraction. But he also goes on to say there's a subtraction that really amounts to addition. There's, there's, a, there's a subtraction that quite honestly amounts to all I need. Notice Paul uses banking, accounting terminology. We, we all understand gain and loss, debit and credit, 
we, we all get that imagery. And the goal, of course, is to have, you know, when you sit down with your credit and debit uh, columns, the goal is to pile up stuff in your credit, all, of, all this stuff for your gain, and to have as little as possible in the debit column, the loss column, the taken away column. That, that, that's, that's how it works, at least financially. That's the goal in your bank account. That's the, that's the goal, quite honestly, in your business. And for that matter, it has become, I think, the goal among us as Christians. We look for things that we could add to our credit, that we could add to our gain. Okay, I know I have Jesus. I know faith in Jesus, but there's got to be more. Surely there's got to be something I can give to this. Surely there's something I can contribute. Surely there's something I can add to Jesus for my hope of salvation. Paul had all kinds of things in, things in his credit column. He had that long list um, his circumcision, his tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, zeal, righteousness under the law, he was blameless. He had all of that piled up in his credit column until he came face to face with Christ. And he says, I count all of it. 20th century sensibilities. You, 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 there are certain things you can't put in the Bible. There are just certain words you can't translate correctly in the Bible. He, he counts them as rubbish, he tells us. If, if, if your Bible's old enough, see that's, that's 20, 20th century Sensibilities. If you, if you have a 17th century Bible, if you have the, the old King James, you're a little better off here because at least they use the word dung. And that's closer. Um, but we can't even say what really would be their word, but it's just better not to use the better translation even in a 21st century American pulpit. The point is, Paul says, I have all these good works. I have all these things I've done. I have all these boxes I've checked. And having come face to face with Christ, I count it all as loss. Not only does it not help me, not only is it not to my credit, but it's, it's loss. It, it gets in the way because it distracts me from Christ. I count it all as, as, as dumb, as rubbish. You, you, you take his pedigree, you take his performance, and you put it all in one big pile, and he says, in essence, you have a pile. You have a pile of dung in your hands. That's all you've got. It's, it's rubbish. It's worthless. It's meaningless. It gets you absolutely nowhere. We do that, don't we? We sort of sing, nothing in my hands I bring, and yet deep down inside we think, but I'm really not that bad. 
nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling, and the fact that I'm better than my brother. And the fact that I'm better than my parents. And the fact that I'm better than my sister. And the fact that I'm better than my boss. And the fact that I'm better than most of the people in this room. Or most of the people I know. Or the other people in my neighborhood. Or fill in the blank. We hold on to all sorts of things. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And also a little bit of my own good works. The fact that I'm nice. The fact that I come from a a long line of, of, of Christian believers. Fill in the blank. J.I. Packer says in dealing with this passage, you think about all those good works you pile up. Paul counts as, as rubbish. He counts as dung. He asks, how many of us spend time nostalgically dreaming of manure? But that's what we do. We want to hang on to just enough goodness. We want to hang on to just enough righteousness. We want to hang on to to some amount of comparing ourselves to the people around us. Adding to the Gospel actually subtracts from the Gospel. And, and giving all of that up, losing every bit of whatever amount of works righteousness we might bring, losing whatever amount of righteousness that comes through the law. Of course, we have none. We only think we do. But losing any amount of that righteousness is actually gain for us. It's actually to our credit because it, it means our eyes are off of those things and onto the cross and unto Christ, and to Him alone. Paul says here we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and those alones matter. But I want you to notice one more thing about this passage. Think about your evangelism for a second. What is it, for lack of a better word, what is it that you sell people? in your evangelism. Maybe you sell them a get-out-of-hell-free card. You, you, you evangelize them on the basis of eternity in heaven. Maybe peace and joy in this life and the life that is to come. Maybe uh, streets of gold or happiness Notice, none of those things show up in this passage. Paul doesn't say, I count all of that righteousness as rubbish compared to the fact that I have assurance that I will not be in hell for the rest of my life, but instead will be in heaven. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I count all of that as rubbish because I know that I'm going to live where there's streets of gold. He doesn't say that. His great joy, His great comfort in this life and the one that is to come 
is that he has Jesus. Did you notice that? In order, I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain not heaven, not peace, not joy, Christ. Are you seeking Christ? Are you seeking Christ and Him alone? Is that your great joy in salvation? Would you say, yes, Jesus, but also, yes, Jesus, but I'm not that bad? Or would you say, I count anything I might possibly bring to the table, I count it all as loss, I count it all as rubbish, it's all a waste, I don't want any more to do with any of it because I have Christ. And I have Christ in Him alone. Paul says, danger, warning. You're in danger of adding to the gospel. You're in danger of changing the gospel. The gospel is grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And those alones matter. The gospel is not Jesus plus. It's Jesus. Let's pray together. Our great God and our King, we do confess that we want to add to the gospel. We, we want to change the gospel. We want to claim some amount of goodness, of righteousness, of merit to our credit. Oh, that we might count it all as loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing and gaining Christ. Father, we pray that You would remove from our eyes and from our hearts any gaze on love for what we do. And we would instead gaze solely and love wholeheartedly that which Christ has done for us. For it's in Christ's name that we ask. Amen.